So look, I, I'm going to panda right now. Okay. I'm going to panda at ER, not panda A. I'm not not, not a big fuzzy cuddly bear. <laughs> no. um, I'm going to panda to Universal Movies, okay. uh, Universal Pictures, because No Time to Die is about to come out and all the yeah. reviews are screaming about how freaking brilliant it's meant to be. I know. And I really want to see it. Okay. But I, I want to see it before everybody else. So I'm doing this for Universal because everyone talks about James Bond and we've mentioned that a yes. number of people who are supposedly the model for James Bond that mm-hmm. Ian Fleming used. I've discovered a new one. So what I want to do is I want to actually talk about all the different people, just little bite-sized episodes, just throw them yeah. out there. Um, yep. And hopefully Universal will go, these guys are great. Let's give them a couple of tickets or maybe a T-shirt and a hat or an interview with Daniel Craig. Anyway. Yeah, not right. happening. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, like, I kind of do. Do you? Yeah. Uh, you've tried. Anyway, look, look, I'm the power of positive thinking. Okay. So let's talk about... The guy that is regarded as possibly the greatest spy in the history of the world. Okay. This is a guy who changed World War II. Wow. We're talking about a German by the name of William Fogg. Who's, you know, kind of yeah. got bondish tendencies yeah. in the name. I mean, The yeah. name is Thorg, William Thorg, or Thorg, Bill Thorg, right? <laughs> so- William Sorg was born in 1895, October mm. 4. That's the other reason I'm doing it. It's his birthday around this time. Right. So he was born in Baku, which is now Azerbaijan, but at the time was the Russian Empire. And he was born to the son of a German father and a Russian mother. Now, right. he, of course, they wound up back in Germany. He joined the army, went to World War One, got wounded three times, won the Iron Cross, and mm. became exceptionally disillusioned with what was going on in Germany, and joined the Communist Party. Go okay. figure. You know, the big yeah. difference. He joined the Communist Party, was very active as a communist, and then finally realised, I don't want to be in Germany as a communist. And he'd made a few contacts with the Soviet Union, the new mm-hmm. Soviet Union, the brand new spanking shiny new Soviet Union. Yeah. He'd read Marx and Engels. He knew about Lenin. It was all cool. And he'd actually had contact with them. When a Soviet delegation went to Germany, he looked after them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went to Moscow to get his Russian citizenship. And was immediately recruited by the GRU. They really liked him. By this time, he was a doctor of economics. So they recruited him. And then they posted him to China, where he worked as uh, an intelligence officer and a journalist. A journalist, like you. See, journalists make good spies. Who says I'm not? (laughs) Yeah. What? Anyway. uh, He worked as a journalist and became the foremost authority on China. And while he was there, he made a lot of inroads with Japanese journalists and Japanese diplomats. Now, this is a very important thing. So after the Russians had a look at what he'd done in China, they realized we don't have an intelligence network in Japan. And, Mm. you know, this is the 30s now. You know, everything's getting a bit crazy. Europe's getting a bit wild. Japan's invading China. What are we going to do? Let's send our gung-ho William over to Japan. But before we do that, we're going to send him back to Germany and we're going to get him to join the Nazi party. 
So, died in the war communist, go back to Germany and join the mm. Nazi party, which he did, which a lot of people regard as absolutely ballsy move because he had a police record as a communist, yet the Nazis let him in. To the point yeah. where he was in beer halls getting drunk. Or, well, not getting drunk. That was a big thing. He'd go to the beer halls with all the Nazis and they'd all be getting drunk and he wouldn't. And instead of them going, this is a bit sus, they went, that's his dedication to the purity of the Aryan race. He's not getting drunk like the rest of us. So this happens. And what he does, what, once he's a Nazi, he turns around and the Nazis go, we think you're a great journalist. We think yep. you really know Japan and China. Can you go and represent us as a journalist in Japan? Bingo, he's in. So not only is he spying on the Japanese, he's also spying on the Germans. Now, he was a very popular guy at the embassy, died in the wall Nazi. He was actually regarded as a Soviet-hating Nazi. So okay. what they did is they turned around and just gave him whatever he wanted, including, and this is a really big one, he got the troop disposition and potential date for Operation Barbarossa. Do you know what mm. Operation Barbarossa is? No, tell me. It was the German invasion of the Soviet Union. I didn't even know that happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. You've seen the movie Enemy at the Gates, the whole thing with Jude Law no. as a sniper in Stalingrad? No. Oh, watch I don't it. watch war movies. I don't like war movies. Because really? war movies are, yeah, war movies are based on real life and I don't really want, if I want to watch a movie, I want, to, I want it to be fiction. Harry Potter. Apart from Harry Potter. <laughs> I won't watch Harry Potter. Star Wars? So into Star Wars. Oh, really? Yes, oh. of course. Star Trek? I love Star Trek. I am a real Trekkie. I love the I love the last three Star Trek movies have been amazing. Oh yes, Star fantastic. Wars is so good. The Mandalorian on Disney Plus so good. Also mm. Disney Plus. If you want to sponsor us, feel yeah. free. Throw us some um, cash. <laughs> throw us some cash. But the Mandalorian, Mandalorian has a lot of spying going on. I believe. See, look, I, I like all those things, but war movies. No, I remember watching Saving Private Ryan at the cinema, and that first five minutes, that opening oh. scene was horrific. Horrific. Oh, it's yeah. I'll, I'll agree with that. That is an horrendous start to a movie. Terrible. Uh, but let's get back to William. We, and everyone uh, dies in the in the war movies. Just throwing it out there. Everyone dies. Everyone dies. It's a war. <laughs> and horrifically. Like it's not just like really easy. Like you get blown up. No, you get like gutted and like blo like it's terrible. It's terrible. Yes. Yes. That's why so why would I watch that? Anyway, okay, anyway, why would I watch that? Anyway, let's get back to Operation Barbarossa, which was <sighs> the turning point. It became the massive turning point of the war. Mm. Now, two things that happened. Sorg, uh, Wilhelm, sent yes. this information to Moscow saying they are going to attack. Now, this was Stalin's quote. I love this. This is a quote. There's this bastard who set up factories and brothels in Japan and even deigned to report the date of the German attack as J the 22nd of June. Are you suggesting I should believe him? Well, he didn't mm. say it was the 22nd of June. He said it was the 20th of June. But Stalin was right. It was the 22nd of June when the German army came pouring over the Russian border. Mm. And this could have absolutely broken the back of Russia, but they knew. And they knew a second thing that was really important. And again, mm -hmm. Wilhelm, our debonair spy, and yeah. he was regarded as a real cocktail party kind of dude. Yeah. He had told them that the Chinese had no intention of invading Russia. Because the Chinese had moved into Manchuria, that was, and they had a massive land border with Russia, and right. Russia was terrified that Japan was going to attack them, and they were going to be screwed. They're going to be caught between two fronts. Well, what happened was William turned around and went, "Never going to happen." So as soon as they realised that Japan weren't going to attack, they were able to take all of their Siberian regiments. This was a massive number of troops, highly trained, highly skilled, and rip them. 
thanks to the Trans-Siberian Railway, all the way back to the what is now what would have been their east western front or the German eastern front, basically to the European theatre, and it halted the invasion and the attack on Moscow. And that was what broke the Germans back. Mm. Two pieces of information from one spy. This guy was the bomb. And also, very James Bond, he was very popular with the ladies. Yeah, I bet. Three wives, up to 52 yeah. <laughs> lovers in Japan. Oh, wow. 52. Also, liked to ride a motorcycle extremely fast mm. to the point where he kept having accidents because despite his thing with the with the Nazis where I'm not going to drink, when he got to Japan, oh, my God, did he hit the pub. He yeah, was right. consistently drunk all the time. And this led to his downfall. Essentially, the Japanese were picking up his radio traffic. There were signals coming out of Japan. Mm. It was all one-time pad-coded, so it was all gobbledygook. But they started narrowing the focus. The Germans started to suspect him, though he did discover that the Germans were suspecting him for the wrong reason. They thought he was spying on them for the Japanese. Nobody realised he was a Soviet agent. And in fact, he worked it out by stealing the key from uh, for the ambassador's residence from one of his lovers and breaking in to check the file on himself. Unfortunately, on the 15th or 14th of October in 1941, one of his informants was captured and interrogated. On the 18th of October 1941, he was arrested and then absolutely ripped apart by the Japanese because they thought he was a German spy. Mm. The Germans then turned around and went, dude, he's not working for us. He's working for us, but he's not working for us. And then it turned out he then confessed that he was a Soviet spy, always had been a Soviet spy, and utterly hated the Nazi party, which is interesting because his farewell dinner when he left Germany to go to Japan, Goebbels attended the dinner. They loved him that much. So then what happened to him? November the 9th, 1944, he was Mm -hmm. hung by the neck in prison and then buried in a mass grave in the prison yard. Now, it wasn't until the 60s when the French made a movie called Who Are You, Mr. Serge? Yes. Okay. Mr. Sorg, right? Who Are You, Mr. Sorg? It was a French film. Or Who Are You, Dr. Sorg? I'm not sure. My French isn't that good. And Nikita Khrushchev sat there and watched it and went, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Great fictional character. Who was it based on? And one of his advisors turned around and went, no, no, no. He's a real guy. If you check his file, he did all of the stuff that is revealed in the film. Wow. He was awarded a medal, as posthumously awarded a medal as a hero of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. His body was dug up and he is buried now in a grave in Tokyo in the Tama Cemetery where just a few days ago a wreath was laid in honour of his service to the Soviet Union and the world, I mind you, because just think, if Soviet Union had collapsed and Nazi Germany had taken over the Soviet Union, we would be living in a man in the high castle kind of universe right now. I know, it's all very weird, isn't it? So that is our first real-life James Bond. I like William him. Thorg. Now, put it this way, Fleming himself, Ian yeah. Fleming said he was the greatest spy in history. And also, General Douglas MacArthur said, if any one man has ever influenced the direction of the world, mm. it was William Sorg. He was regarded as the bomb. Okay. So, so we need to have James a German, German beer in his honour. I am going to sit down. A Hefeweizen. We'll have a Hefeweizen. <laughs> Hefeweizen. Or Vispier. No, I don't like Vispier. No, no, no. I'll we'll have a Hefeweizen and a pretzel in his honour. 